took a job after college as a youth pastor. And while I was doing that, I didn't you know, make a lot of money. And so I, I uh, knew just enough about how to make websites to get into a website company. And so then I've kind of felt that call to go to seminary. And so I came to DTS and they needed somebody. So they needed a school website. This was early online ed days in the early 2000s. So I was just messing around with all this stuff and just enjoying it. You know, And kind of on one side doing ministry and on the other side doing technology and seeing where they overlap. So I made some Bible software and just that kind of stuff. What's going on, y'all? This is your boy, D.K. Hammonds. I am one of the co-hosts of Social Media Church. I have a dope individual that I want to introduce you to, Dr. Dyer. But first, before we do that, we have to definitely give big ups to Dallas Baptist <laughs> University. He went to the, he's a DCS alum, and he'll talk more about that. Dr. Dyer, how you feeling, brother? I'm good, man. It's beautiful outside. I am having a great day and I'm ready for the cold weather to hit us and have Dallas have no way of handling it at all because we do not know what to do with cold weather. We it's gonna be great. don't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> it is so a situation in Dallas. If you, if you haven't been to Dallas when it snows here, the entire world shut down. Mm-mm. Our roads are inoperable. We are going to be landlocked for the next 24 to 72. Uh, that's so right. that's just what DT, that's just what Dallas is all about when you move here. Uh, and we, we learn how to navigate that. All right. That's right. So with that being said, Dr. Dial, walk us through your journey and how you've gotten into technology and, and now being, you know, in the seminary space. Kind of walk us through that, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a kid of the eighties, you know, so all that stuff was just out there and was fun and, dad would bring home a modem part or something. And I just liked messing with the parts, but I I don't think I really thought about it being a career. You know, that was like for dorky people. And so it was always kind of a side hustle, like a a thing I kept, uh, you know, kind of hidden. But then, you know, I took a job after college as a youth pastor. And while I was doing that, I didn't, you know, make a lot of money. And so I I, uh, knew just enough about how to make websites to get into a website company. So I just was doing that on the side. If you've ever gone to texags.com, it's one of those Texas A&M websites. I worked on that and some other fun stuff. And, you know, I just started going, man, this is actually something I could do, do a career on and maybe do some ministry with. And so then I've kind of felt that call to go to seminary. And so I came to DTS and they needed somebody. So they needed a school website. But this was early online ed days in the early 2000s. So I was just messing around with all this stuff and just enjoying it. You know, and kind of on one side doing ministry and on the other side doing technology and seeing where they overlapped. So I made some Bible software and just that kind of stuff. But I think somewhere along the way, you know, when the early iPhones, early social media came out, I started to think a little bit more about it. Like, is this good or, or, or is there more bad than good? And, and how do I think about it? And that set me down more of an academic path where I was thinking, I need to study this stuff. And so that's what I did my doctoral work in. And so I'm still trying to take all that stuff academics do and make it pull it down to the regular level for those of us that, you know, do it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, man. Uh, which, which introduces a lot of us are not aware uh, especially in your uh, one of your one of your previous writings introduces us to the term uh, philosophy of theology or technology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In that philosophy, how we use this in social media or how we use this in tech is so important. So tell us a little bit about that philosophy and and how you got to that point as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole field of philosophy of technology, kind of what is it? What does it mean to be human? And what are these things? And, and how do they relate to, to us? And all that's really super relevant with like AI and consciousness and all that kind of stuff now. And then there's a whole other area, they call it media ecology. So, you know, when you think about an ecosystem of all these different animals and creatures working together, the idea is that when you introduce a new medium into an environment, that it kind of changes the whole thing around, right? It's kind of like putting a, a shark into a fish tank. It's going to make a big change. And so you're thinking about it, not just let's study the individual item, but let's study how it has an effect on everything else. And then there's then there's folks out there more on the sociology side who are who are you know trying to document different phenomena of, of how different churches use media, how that happens with politics. You know we're in one of those political years this year, trying to study all that. And then we the Christians are trying to go now. What what is what does uh, theology say? What is this? What do the scriptures say? How do they really um, help us understand this in a deeper way about who we are as human beings with souls made in the image of God? So I'm trying to bring all those fields together in a way that's helpful. Yeah. And you've done that at least two other times with some of the apps that you personally created. Yeah. Uh, so kind of walk us through how those apps impact those of us socially. Because I, I yeah. did read that you created like the best commentaries app. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of walk us through that as well. Yeah. Okay. So a couple, I'll just, I'll give you maybe three or four that I've, that I've made and then kind of reflect back okay. on them. So, one of them, I was in seminary thinking, man, I, I'm learning all this Greek and Hebrew language stuff, using some Bible software, but it just seemed big and thick and hard to use. So I made this BibleWebApp.com that sort of does what Bible software does with like Lincoln, Greek and Hebrew and English and all that sort of stuff. Just having fun making that. And that made me start to think about like, what what role do developers have in shaping what we do with the Bible? So back in the printing press days, you know, it was a printer who invented verse numbers. So they didn't have any verse numbers. Jesus didn't have a favorite verse. Peter didn't have a favorite verse because there were no verses, right? And Martin Luther didn't have a favorite verse because there were no verses even in his day. So they, these come along in the 1550s. So if a printer made verses and that that shapes our T-shirts and our bumper stickers and how we do theology – then that's certainly what, you know, coders like me are doing. We're, we're shaping what you see, you know? So if you think about just a simple example, when you search the Bible, the first search engines just literally found the word, right? But if you search for suicide or depression or pornography or something like that, that's not there. So the developer has to make a choice of what they're going to show you. And that that's a really powerful position to be in as a, as a coder. So that's a Bible web app. Um, you mentioned uh, best commentary. So also when I was in seminary, I'd ask my professors, hey, what's the best commentary on Esther or Mark or Ephesians or whatever? And they would give you these lists that had been put together by different folks. And then there were these books out there. And I saw a bunch of reviews and lists and stuff like that. And I just saw Rotten Tomatoes, right? So I, I just see yeah, – I want to aggregate these together. So that's what I made. Best commentaries was was just aggregating all these reviews together. Well the, well, the weird thing I found out, you know, later is that, you know, algorithms, as much as we try to make them not be biased, they always have some yeah. bias built into the algorithm or into the data, right? And so what I've really been wor working hard on is, is how do I overcome that problem? Can I at all? Knowing that the types of people that make reviews, the type of people that make commentaries, there, there seems to be this like circular relationship with all them and with publishers. And then the way I'm doing the math, um, I, I have incredible power there on that. And so I'm trying to take that responsibility seriously. On the more fun side of things, you know, like um, I always am trying to figure out how I can be more regular about reading the Bible. So I made BibleReadingPlanGenerator.com. And it just lets you, you know, 
turn off Thursdays if you don't want to read on Thursdays and turn off certain books and reverse them and move them around, make lists, make calendars. Everything I saw out there was good, but I just want to keep customizing. Just fun. Yeah. And um, and then a couple of years ago, I bought the domain name worship.ai and it makes AI generated worship songs. This is pre like chat GPT and stuff. So at the time I thought it was a really clever idea. Now, now all those things have kind of been superseded. And I'll mention one more. Um, y'all version is one of my personal favorites. Okay. And the idea on that is so there's you version, great Bible app. Y'all version, what it does is, you know, Greek and Hebrew have a different word for you singular and you plural. And we in the South, we have y'all and up in the, up in the North, you know, sometimes they say, or up in the West coast, they say you guys yep. and in Chicago, they say you guys. And, yep. you know, up in the, up in Pittsburgh, they say yins. So this thing uh, kind of does that and it, and it lets you see all of those things. And then, hopefully helps us maybe have a little bit less individualistic reading of the Bible. So in that case, I'm really trying to say something. I'm not just making an app that's useful. I'm really trying to help you see something in scripture that you can't see without that layer of kind of technology and work together. So I, I love this stuff. Uh, I could go on about it for, forever, but I hope that was a good, good preview. Man, that was absolutely amazing. If you guys are just coming in, I am talking to Dr. John Dyer on DK Handles of Social Media Church. And we're just having this, real riveting conversation about our passion, right? And how we got to that passion. And Dr. John, he got to the passion based on just seeing his family, his, his personal ethic within his home, which mm -hmm. drove that in. For me, it was days, months, and years being in spaces as far as church is concerned and nobody necessarily being there to kind of take this spot along and grow in a, innovatively in the right direction, right? And so that's always been my thing. And so uh, this is a very good conversation. You definitely want to share this with your community at large. So we were talking about, I was also asking a question before we got recording about the, his, his version of how we got to this digital space and how we read the Bible digitally, um, uh, or what you would like to call um, the hermeneutic behind it all, right? Uh, so one of the things we talked about was the codec and the handwritten Bible, and now we're in the electronic phase. Dr. John, where do you see us going outside of those three phases? What, what would potentially yeah. be for us? Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, I think that for a long time, Bibles were on scrolls, right? That was kind of the Old Testament time frame, And so each book was individual. And the Codex, the cool thing, that that's the word for a handwritten book, you know, that that brought lots of stuff together. And so when it came to, you know, the early church, they're trying to figure out, hey, which of these writings are legit and which ones aren't? And so the Codex let them put all of it into one object, which was a pretty powerful new thing. Even though in the, in the past, scrolls were what you did holy things with, and paper was just for regular everyday lists. But putting together in a book, that was kind of a new deal. So when, you know, when Muhammad came along, he called Christians the people of the book because he saw them, you know, having having these these uh, book things. And so that that continues that you know the printing press comes along and it it makes it so you can get books out faster, and so then every, more individuals can have them. But I think in the screen era, it's hard because the screen. It's not like we just moved from, um, you know, with, with scrolls to codex, we just made a, a one-time move and we didn't keep using scrolls. And, you know, when we have handwritten books, uh, we, we went to printing press and we kind of didn't look back. But with screens, we're kind of in this multimedia environment where most people are using their phones and a printed Bible. And in addition to that, they're also doing a lot more audiobook type stuff. I mean, there was audiobook tapes and CDs and all that sort of stuff for a while. But, man, apps have opened that whole world up. 
And then there's, you know, memorization apps and there's um, all kinds of different things out there. You know, there's uh, kind of dueling apps that have different, um, you know, kind of commentary or, or devotional stuff around them. So I think a lot of the stuff around the text is kind of where we are right now, you know, yeah. um, which notes you're going to go with or which app you're going to go with kind of puts you in a particular direction. And then again, um, you know, you're seeing all these custom audio versions and stuff like that where people are, are listening to scripture, which I think is an interesting thing about technology. Sometimes a new technology actually recalls an old thing. So from, you know, Moses to Martin Luther, most people heard scripture and they didn't have their own printed copy. Mm. And now we're going back to that where we're actually getting to hear scripture again. So that's good. Um, so those are just some of the things I'm, I'm seeing right now. Hey guys, it's Neil Smith and I'm interrupting this episode to highlight one of our sponsors. And this sponsors is one of the companies that I recently acquired and it's a company called Church Press. And I was blown away uh, when I found out about Church Press and it is the most SEO optimized, search engine optimization, optimized website platform for churches and it is one price and it covers everything you need uh, to, to have a great website presence to design, set up a beautiful website that works great. Uh, but but I think most importantly, it's found by Google so that people can find your church. And so if you want to upgrade your website or build a new website, we would love to help. Go to churchpress.co uh, and you get more information and learn more. Uh, we also have a free SEO audit uh, that you can get uh, right there on the website of your website. So if you want to see how optimized your website is, just go to churchpress.co and you don't have to sign up for anything. It's totally free. And we would love to help you build a better website that is found by Google. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so I love that because when I hear you say these, those things, I honestly, my mind goes to, there's this convergent of this hybrid feel. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to do a little reading. We're going to do a little listening. We're going to do a little screen time to kind mm -hmm. of be the next way, potentially, of what we'll see, which is this, yeah. this, this like almost immersive uh, experience yeah. of how we're expanding. Now we have, now we're in social media world, and now the Bible has to be printed and used and echoed in that way as well as. So we get all of these worlds kind of converging into one. And that is mm. to really build the kingdom of God up yeah. so that God can be glorified. And so yeah. using those various uh, models shows us in church that you find what works for you. Uh, mm. So if 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 if, if uh, IG works well for you, use it by all means. Uh, but if this other piece works well where we're listening, where we're just really immersing ourselves in scripture, which I think a, I think a lot of us do well, I feel like that is the next move of God in terms of the mm -hmm. text base. This hybrid yeah. feeling that kind of brings it all together. So you have Bible app already doing this, but who's to say that somebody can't mirror and do something different? Um, yeah. Which we'll give it that. So what's your thoughts about that, brother? Yeah, I mean, I think over, overall, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. So I, I like to experiment and use this stuff. On the other hand, you know, I've, I've been around long enough to kind of watch and see some of the, the trends underneath that are sometimes on the negative side of things. So I want to, I want to mention one and have that help us think about all of our technology. So let me, let's start with this Bible reading thing. So one of the studies that I did was I went around to a bunch of, bunch of DFW area churches and I just had people read Jude and I had half of them read it in print and half of them read it on screen. So I asked them some questions about it, you know, and it was sort of interesting to see what they remembered. But here, here was the really interesting thing. I asked them, what was Jude about? 
And I asked them how they felt after reading it. And there was this really interesting cross thing that was super different between print and, and people reading on screen. So here's the difference. The print reader said, I think this is about God's judgment. You know, Jude has a lot of that in it, right? But the phone reader said, I think this is about God's faithfulness, which it also has there, right? So that was interesting. But then I asked them like how they felt afterward. And the print readers that said this is about God's judgment, they said, hey, I actually feel really encouraged by this. But the phone readers that said this is about God's faithfulness, they said, I kind of feel discouraged and confused. Isn't that, real, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, and here's, here's, what, here's what I think is happening, okay? So that's, the, that's what the data says. Now, here's me yeah. like putting on my interpretation hat, okay? I think what's happening is that, you know, print, we kind of associate with like a little bit old school, you know, a little bit maybe more judgmental, but it's kind of solid. It's something you can trust. But with our phones, we associate it with like, you know, when you, when you go on your Instagram or TikTok or whatever, most of the stuff is more positive. People are putting like happy verses on there. So we associate it with that positive stuff, but we also associate it with all the stuff we're anxious about, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that we're missing out on, all yeah. the angst over, you know, politics or this or that, whatever's going on, people are angry on social media. And so what, what I'm, what I want to point out here is that when we change mediums, God's word doesn't change, right? But yeah, when right. we change mediums, there is some effect, you know? And in this case, I think that we bring with it some sensibility of that technology that's built into it that may shape what we see and what we don't see. Like the example I give in a, in a book is uh, back when I was a youth pastor 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, half the kids had Bibles, the other half the kids we, we would give Bibles to. And so I thought, man, let's get a projector. This is back before projectors are real common so we can yep. show the Bible on screen. Well, once we show the Bible on screen, of course, the kids stop bringing their Bibles to church, right? And so, you know, now it's all different with phones and stuff like that. But my, my point is that we, especially we as technologists, we need to be aware of, you know, when you change that medium, something happens at the same time. And this isn't to like demonize one or the other, right? But it's it's to just remember that, that the, the medium isn't just kind of this neutral thing that you can use whenever, but we need to be aware of some of our tendencies in that. And I think, man, technology people are the best people to help us do that. Yes. Yeah, technology people, I feel like, they're about to really make their money's worth. <laughs> because, and, and I don't say that negative. I say that positively because now, more than ever, you need somebody on your staff, around you, consulting you, giving you guidance and information as it relates to what's happening in tech and how that impacts the current church context. Mm-hmm. So I think what you brought up was so important about understanding people and culture, but Mm -hmm. also understanding church context and how Mm -hmm. that's important. Because what works for fellowship church may not work for community church. And Mm -hmm. you have to find out where that little happy median is for your context and use, whether it's paper Bible or whatever the case may be, so that the message does not get diluted based on the technology spaces that we use, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so I really think that's important and just being cognizant on how that impacts the user on a Sunday morning basis or during the week. So we talked heavy about tech. So help me, how does tech then transform itself into like our socials now? How do you mm, think of yeah. that? Yeah. Well, let me, 
maybe one way to answer it would be kind of go back and what, usually when I go like to an audience and they want to think about theology and technology and where we are, I, I usually start out with this one particular illustration. I think it's worth us doing. Usually what I'll do is I'll show a couple of slides of like really cool, awesome technology, right? Like a kid getting a cochlear implant and being able to hear their parent for the first time, you know, or a 3D printed prosthetic arm, you know, or just something like, man, nobody's going to say that's not a good thing. And then maybe some of the kind of more sad negative stuff, right? You know, that, that we all see in the news sometimes about, you know, social media and, and, and young teens, right? Or, um, you know, here in Dallas, we had that, we had a shooter where they, they took a robot in with bombs and blew the guy up. I mean, these are yeah. really hard things and got deep fakes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm showing some good things and some bad things. And then I ask this question. It's kind of a trick question. So I'm going to get you, get you uh, that heads up. And I'll go, okay, how many of you guys think a technology is good, bad, or neutral? Three choices, good, bad, or neutral. What I find every single time is that like maybe there's a few hands for good and there's a few hands for bad and everybody else's technology is just neutral, right? And so then I go, okay, my goal as a speaker is to get you to, to say this. Technology is good, full stop, but it's never neutral, okay? Mm. And, and what I mean by that is that in the story of God, in the Bible, um, starting out in Genesis 1 and 2, God has made us to be makers. And so we get to co-create with him. He put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, I want you guys to make stuff. I want you to cultivate this. I want you to make things from what I've made. You see Adam making language right away. You see when he sins, he almost immediately makes clothes. God doesn't you know, condemn those clothes. He actually helps him make better clothes, you know, all that stuff, right? Time and time again, God could just save people, but he has, he has a, you know, Noah create an ark. The first time the spirit of God comes on a person, it's not Moses, it's not Abraham. It's it's someone in the Bible who's actually going to make something there in, in Exodus 20. Right? So this is all good stuff. At the same time, whenever we use technology, it's, it's never neutral, right? So the safe example I give is using a shovel. So God asks us to cultivate the garden. So if I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff with a shovel, right? And I ask the audience, what happens to me when I use a shovel all day? Well, you, you, I'm showing my hands up here, right? My hands get blisters yeah. and they get calluses, right? And I can use a shovel for good. I can use a shovel for bad, right? I could go build a church. I could go ax murder, right? It can be used for good or for bad. Yeah. Either, whether I'm using it for good or for bad, I'm still going to get blisters. I'm still going to get calluses. The more I use it, I'm going to get bigger muscles. The more I use it, I'm going to learn something about the land, right? I'm always being transformed in the using of technology. And I think that's what we have to keep in mind is that it's kind of works both ways. We transform the world with technology, but we get transformed with it. And we need to be aware of that because sometimes um, that technology might deform us in a particular way that we're not as aware of. So that's one is just the way we're using it. We may not want calluses, right? Uh, you know, an, another way is we, we tend to sort of go along with, with its, its direction sometimes. But the big thing is that today, the difference between a shovel and say, like, uh, say Facebook or whatever, is that there's no, there's no, a bunch of people with PhDs inside of my shovel trying to get me to shovel more, right? <laughs> there's not a, a multi-billion dollar corporation trying to get me to optimize my usage of the shovel yeah. so that they can get money out of it, right? Yeah. So we've got to be aware of that. And then lastly, I've got my own sin and flesh and all that sort of stuff. And it's going to probably try to, you know, use it in a way that, that might not always be glorifying to the Lord. And I've got to worry about that. So all those are important for us to keep in mind. Again, I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm saying technology is good, full stop theologically, but it's never neutral in its, in its uses and applications. Mm. Do you like that little sermon? How's that? You right, right? Listen, <laughs> listen, this is a master class that I needed. I think that's so important because there are some skeptics 
when it comes yeah. to using tech that automatically, to your point, full stop, they go immediately to the extreme mm-hmm. when we don't have a problem when it comes to tech, when it comes to paying our bills. We don't mm-hmm. have a problem with tech when it comes to uh, paying our tithes or donating to a certain fund. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. have a problem with tech when it helps us get through the airport faster. So <laughs> we have a problem with tech when it sits next to us and immerses mm. us, it immerses itself in our world. Uh, and we feel like God is not in tech when in fact, God is the creator of such a thing. Mm. And we have to kind of let it lay that way. And so I agree fully with you. Tech has yeah. always been um, that additional that we did not have. It always allowed us to go the mile that we could not run. It allowed us to to run when we had to walk. It gave us every opportunity to do the most important thing in the gospel, and that's to reach the lost, where we could not necessarily reach them. And so I agree 100% with your thought process to say, yes, it is good, full stop, and yes, we can use it for good, but however, we do need to challenge its users uh, mm-hmm. and those who are kind of administrating that. This has been powerful, at mm-hmm. least for me. I am geeking out. <laughs> um, yeah. I-, I could talk about this all day. Um, so talk to me about being in tech and being a believer. You you mm-hmm. talk about that in your book. Uh, if you guys... Yeah don't know about the four texts, he's going to mention those four texts so you can go get them in Audible as well as Amazon or even go to his website. Please mention that at the end. But talk to us about being a believer and being in tech and how that kind of translates into social. Yeah, yeah. I I do think we have got these different boxes of of types of people. I mean, I think in general, it does seem like some folks in the larger tech industry aren't particularly amenable to faith just because it seems like technology is solving the problems that we would say God should be solving or something like that. So sometimes that there's that direction. Other other times it's just a general kind of unawareness. It's not a hostility. It's just kind of like, why why would you be interested in in that stuff? On the other hand, like you mentioned on the, on the Christian side of things, there seems to be almost two extremes. One of them is um, let's run away. It's bad. And the other one is like, let's use it as fast as we can without thinking about it. You know, those kind of two extremes. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, trying to chart a path in there that said, let's, let's thoughtfully and faithfully engage in these things um, yeah. and, and be reflective about them, but not, not run away from them at the same time. And I think that that's hard on, on both sides of these things. The, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of times there's a convergence of language when it comes to technology world and religious world. So, you know, my son's learning, um, he's, he's working on some different uh, business opportunities and stuff like that. And he was, he was reading some business books and we were talking about how that word like conversion is used in both things. So you've got someone who's at a point and you're trying to use communication to get them to change in some way to convert and then to, to change their behavior in some other way. And in a way, you know, when Paul is like, how will they, how will they know if they haven't heard? Right. And so there's this communication effort with the gospel, like you got with it. We may use technology, maybe in person, it may be letters like Paul, it may be radio or internet like today. 
Um, and, and yet that, that language that we would use of, of conversion, I, w- I was going this way and then I changed and I went this way. That's mm-hmm. the same language that sales uses that, uh, the, and then even our, our future hope, right? We, we are, our, our ultimate hope is not in our machines, but is that Jesus will return, but yeah. he's not going to return and take us up to heaven, right? That's not where we're going. He's bringing heaven down to earth. There's a new heavens and new earth and a city. So it is a profoundly, a world of physical technology and all that sort of stuff. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not trying to over overdo it there, but it definitely is not a, a world of like being up in the clouds. So God's going to redeem all this stuff, but our hope isn't in this stuff, right? And sometimes over in the you know broader secular technology world, there is this language of like, this new technology is going to save us. One day, with the right set of tools, everything will be okay. And I think that's a pretty, um, uh, can be a, a damaging view, you know, even, even as we're trying to seek to, to use all this stuff for the glory of God and to use it for the church and the gospel, we don't want to get caught up in that same mythology that says, man, if I can just get my LLM right, <laughs> then all of a sudden everything will be good, you know? Um, and I don't think it'll ever quite be where we want it to be. So I hope that, I hope that gets in the direction of what you were asking. No, that definitely gets it, man. That definitely gets it. Well, we're wrapping this up. I definitely appreciate your time uh, for just coming on and sharing a tidbit. Please share with our listening audience where they could find your work as well as where they could find some of the things that you're doing for the future. Yeah. So my, my basic website, my name's John. So it's just j.hn, no www, no.com, just j.hn. So it looks like John. Um, and I've got lots of stuff there. I would say that probably the best, easiest book to start with is called From the Garden to the City. I wrote it in 2011 and then did an update in 2022. So it's just a basic overview of theology of technology, these kinds of things. It's it's not written at an academic level. I think it's it's just kind of good for everybody. And I would just start there. And then if there's other things you want to look at, um, that's great. And then some of those websites, BibleWebApp.com, BibleReadingPlanGenerator.com, Y'all Version, Worship.ai, BestCommentaries.com, any of those things, man, I'd, I'd love for you to use them. And if they're helpful to you, that, that would be so great. So Amazing. Final question. Okay. Theology, technology, and AI. Mm, go any yeah. direction you want to go in, and we'll close. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there's there's so many things we could do there, right? I think our our desire to make things that make, and just like God made us to make. I mean, I think you see all that there. I think you also see our desire sometimes to have results without work and becoming. You know, a lot of times we want the end result, so we want to just type in something and get it. And, you know, when we think about that Bible conversation we had earlier, we had yeah. more access to scripture than we've ever had, right? Yeah. But most of us don't memorize much. And, you know, the Bible, it doesn't ask us to study the Bible. It doesn't ask us to have Bibles. It asks us to meditate and to do. And, I, and so there's this thing where, you know, we may have a, a, an awesome car, but we got to take care of our body so we can still walk and move. And the same thing with our mind and our soul is that we don't want to just have a thing that can do a thing for us. Sometimes we want to become the kind of person who can answer what a chatbot can answer. So I think that's that's where I am right now. It's going, man, there's so many cool things you can do with the, the new LLM stuff. There's ways you can accelerate your work and take your sermon and generate some questions and all that stuff. I think that stuff's great. But I still think we want to say, not just what can I do, but who do I want to become? Yeah. And I think we want to be using our technology that's going to help us in our becoming, not just in our producing. My <laughs> God, today, listen, y'all, this was amazing. I've been blessed by this. Thank you, Dr. John, for taking out your busy schedule to just talk to us for a few moments. You will definitely come back on because I... 
I love your insight um, just from these two realms because you talk like I talk. People think that it's not. <laughs> so it's plenty of me out here. Mm-hmm. We just don't mm-hmm. elevate their voices. And so my job is to help elevate those voices because we need to be listening to those because we're in that time period and age. So, again, thank you, Dr. John. Thank you guys for listening. We hope this blessed you. And we hope that you will continue to just take technology and use it for good because that's what it's mm-hmm. doing. Peace. Tell me. Let's see. It'll stop in just a second. It's doing yeah. something wonky. Uh, man, thank you. Definitely. Yeah. I hope this wasn't too hard. No, it's great. Perfect. A great question. It's a good interaction. Thanks for letting me talk long. I mean, I, I know sometimes it's better to go short, but this is this is great. No, so. no, no, no. I'm, I'm listen. I would let you just go off and just because it's so rich, and we need mm. to hear more of it. Um, there's a lot of churches in my context, in your context, in rural and urban that don't have the tools to access like ourselves. And so this gives them an opportunity mm-hmm. to hear it and then also allow them to see, man, how can I use this to my benefit and for the glory of God? So yeah. that part requires sometimes a response that may go beyond and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if, if we're elevating Christ, we're in good shape. We're in yeah. great shape. So yeah. that's, that's it. it. Yeah, man. So I'm going to send you my information. Please send me yeah. yours. I would love to find Starbucks over there in East Dallas near you. Uh, oh, yeah. Uptown Dallas and just, man, talk more about this. Um, because, you know, my seminary journey hasn't ended yet. I'm still, I'm at Phillips Theological Seminary. I got about 20 more hours to finish. Uh, but also I'm taking my PMP class. And so okay. I'm taking these, you know, these two worlds kind of merging mm. them together, project management as well as tech and theology. And so okay. just to be able to have and use those things and elevate the craft is what I really want to do because I'm passionate mm. about this. Um, mm. And unfortunately, Dallas doesn't have many of us, if I'm honest, mm. very few yeah. of us that do this. Yeah. <laughs> And so, have you have you been involved at all in the the Faith Tech group, faithtech.com? I'm in that group, but I don't okay. see that they move around much. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, group is yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't move around much, and you know, my PMP, my PMI uh, people move around way more. Um, okay. And it's so to to have people moving around more makes a difference, and there's a lot of us here. Again, like that church IT conference really showed me that there's a lot of people doing this. We just don't have yeah. a place to kind of centralize and say, hey, let's come here and just talk tech, please. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I think I feel led to do it, but we just, go, I'm going to keep praying about it as far as Dallas is concerned to just have conversations about bringing that type of world here and just talking about it in depth. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a little pockets, right? Like the guys down at um, Wycliffe are doing missional AI stuff and yeah, yeah there's, there's interesting, but yeah, it's trying to bring it together in helpful ways. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it doesn't, doesn't quite click. Yeah. So no, nobody's trying to merge the world. We're, yeah. we're segmented. We need to become mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, sticky as far as close to each other and learn. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that's where 
that's where strength is. It's yeah. So. Well, yeah. I mean, and, so going back to us hanging out, I mean, if you want to come down here and do deep elm, whatever, that's great. But I'm like, I'm in, um, you know, Las Colinas area where I live and then I'm at Irving Bible church. So if any of those little worlds, if we're up in that direction, it'd be fun to you, you hang do. out. Embassy city is on Beltline in Irving. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, we're know, right there. Yeah. My, my kids are on. Spot is, uh, what is that over there? Uh, it's over there next to, not me, Cosina, Mexican sugar, the other. Uh, oh yeah. That's my favorite yeah. place to go. So, I'm going to send you an invite and we'll go there and just talk, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, there's some, there's some guys at Urban Bible that love sort of the world yeah. of all that stuff. It would be we'll fun to just, I'm not sure y'all would be good friends to hang out, but um, yeah. So man, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's do it again. Do yes, something. sir. Thank you, man. Okay. Have a good one.